It is amazing how great God's faithfulness is to all of us. And Anthony, if this will help you out a little bit today, uh, the main structure on the outline is going to be the same, so don't worry about it if there's a whole lot of stuff in between that uh, wasn't there in the beginning. But as I said, we're in this uh, uh, fifth week of a study in First Thessalonians, Faith, Hope, and Love. And today we're going to talk about the trouble, or the truth about trouble. And uh, to take you back to when we started five weeks ago, we talked about Paul writing to the Christians in Thessalonia. It came as a time of um, when perseverance was difficult to maintain. Uh, when those people who just converted to the Christian faith were sure to suffer, and they were suffering persecution, they suffered humiliation, uh, ridicule, and, and even threatened with death. And so he writes this letter to help them become what I would call rock-solid believers. Now today, we don't experience that same kind of persecution here in the United States yet. I mean, I watch ESPN, but I have yet to see them televising Christians trying to fend off hungry tigers in the midst of uh, AT&T Stadium down in Dallas. Uh, we are not burned at the stake on the weekends. Uh, we may burn a little stake a little bit later out the mittens, but we're not being burned at the stake for our beliefs, or we're really not imprisoned uh, for our beliefs. Now, it doesn't happen here, and for that, I think we can all be grateful but we should be mindful that it does happen elsewhere in this world. Christians do suffer for their faith in many parts of this world. Now, there's a book that's called The New Persecuted. Anthony Sochi wrote the book, and, and I've read the book. I have a Kindle copy of it. And he said that there were more Christian martyrs in the 20th century than the previous 19 centuries put together. So you get the general idea that the acceleration of persecution of Christ followers is shooting up. If you follow places like uh, Open Doors Ministries, uh, recently they posted that 360 million Christians face persecution or oppression and discrimination because of their faith. Uh, in the last year, at least up to this point in their last uh, newsletter, uh, 6,000 people have been killed for their faith. Uh, 5,000 plus churches have either been burned or destroyed in various parts of this world. And around 500 people that they know of have been imprisoned for their faith. And we know that there are even far more people uh, that we don't know about. So we need to remember these people who are really, truly being persecuted for their faith. Let me give you an example. I have been with Christ for India uh, for nearly 20 years. Uh, I've been privileged, Nancy and I, to be over in India on three different occasions to be able to preach at uh, uh, Christ for India campus and to teach a class on leadership that guys had to pass in order to get their MDivs. Uh, and, uh, and I've even been a board member and vice president of that organization today. I'm an emeritus uh, board member. Emeritus is Latin for only God remembers me. Uh, so I'm still on that board. Uh, now, we continue to hear of both subtle and overt persecution in India today. Uh, some of the kind of subtle is government regulations, making it very difficult to figure out where your land starts and your land ends when the, when the government wants your land or what you can do on your property or what you can do when you build something. That's kind of what I call subtle. But there's overt persecution because I know from our last board meeting 
that the Hindus and the Muslims are persecuting Christians throughout the uh, country of India. They have been burning. They've actually burned some of our churches to the ground. Uh, they have beaten and threatened our pastors and chased people out of towns where churches have been built. Now, here, we don't face that kind of persecution yet. But being a Christ follower does come with a price. I think we all need to acknowledge that. And Paul warned us about that. Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, he says, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, that was written a number of years ago, but I suggest that it's, it's true today. And if you just want to hear the Greek word uh, dioko, it means to be driven away with hostility. That's, persecuted sometimes means we don't like you, but this is driven away with hostility. Now, this applies to all believers, you and me. We also need to realize that the struggles we have in life, just that day-to-day living, is not limited just to um, persecution or oppression. We have troubles in this life. Uh, because, well, life is troublesome. It's not an easy life. Uh, Jesus actually in Matthew chapter and in chapter five, he talked about how it, it rains on both the just and the unjust. I mean, when it rains, it doesn't just rain only on, you know, Christians. Uh, it rains on sinners as well. In other words, every last person here today has problems of one kind or another. No such thing as a trouble-free life, and it just never ends. You can count on having your life kind of peppered with some persecution and some um, problems. There are going to be times when you're discriminated against because of your Christian beliefs. I don't know if you've ever had that happen. I've had that happen where people found out what I did for a living, and it was like, oh, (laughs) they wanted to hear no more from me. Uh, I've been called a Jesus freak. I don't mind being called a Jesus freak. I've been, it's been said, oh, you're one of those. And it's like, those what? Because <laughs> it could be those pair of socks, that pair of jeans. Uh, well, you know what I'm talking about. There are going to be times when people dislike you for what seems like absolutely no reason whatsoever. There will be times when your health goes south and you kind of struggle with sickness or illness or replacement of body parts. huh? Uh, There will be times when relationships you've had with people for a long time kind of go south and you struggle with uh, with sickness. There'll be times when money becomes a little bit short and you wonder how you're going to buy groceries for the next week. Now, see, troubles are just a a fact of life, a way of life. And when this happens, you've got a choice. You can either stay in the fight or you can just turn tail and run. That means your decision will lead to one of two choices, and that is either you will either conquer your troubles or your troubles will conquer you. Now, I'm going to quote the world famous theologian this morning, Dr. Seuss. Uh, Dr. Seuss said, I have heard that there are troubles of more than one kind. Some come from ahead, some come from behind, but I've bought a big bat. I'm ready to see now my troubles are going to have troubles with me. Now, that's kind of funny, uh, but sadly, it implies that we can do this on our own. We can do this all by ourselves, but we can't. Uh, Paul has another great thing to say in Romans chapter 8. Pastor Mark would love this, that I'm actually quoting from Romans. In all these things, we are what? More than conquerors through him who loved us. If we love him, we are more than conquerors. We're on the winning side here, friends. 
See, in Jesus, we have the power to overcome anything that comes our way, not just merely to avoid it or to escape it, uh, but to conquer it, and not only conquer it, but to conquer it big time and to actually be, hey, I'm a conqueror. I've been through this. I fought the battle, and with Jesus' help, I actually won. Now, it's tempting because I, I'm t- I know it's tempting because I've, I've been there already. I mean, I've actually sat in front of, well, my computer, ready to write a letter of resignation in one of the churches I was serving. I just was fed up. I wasn't sure I was accomplishing anything. And I thought, well, you know, this letter of resignation should probably have a Bible passage in it. <laughs> what a way to resign, huh? Quoting scripture. I turned around and my Bible happened to be open to Joshua chapter 1. Now, anybody know what goes on in Joshua chapter 1? It says, be bold and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you. And so I turned around and I shut my computer off. Because I knew that God wanted me in the battle. And having God in the battle, guess what? Guess who wins? The people that are on God's site. Well, today we're actually going to get to First Thessalonians here, chapter 3. And it tells us the truth about trouble. And the truth about trouble is, it's inevitable. We all know that. Persecution, uh, oppression, disappointments, discouragement, it's, it's on the daily menu. But the truth about trouble is, it's really kind of temporary. You can overcome most, most of life's challenges simply by outliving them or outlasting them. You know, when you have a, te- a steadfast spirit. But in First Thessalonians, Paul offers us three great words of wisdom. Here's the very first one, that we should mentally prepare ourselves for problems. In other words, expect life to be difficult from time to time. Look at what Paul has to say. I think it should be up here in verse 4. It is. It says, in fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you, you will be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. I mean, yeah, you guys are going to be in deep weeds. And guess what? You're in deep weeds with the, with the community. I mean, this is why Peter, and I don't know if I, 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 oh, I did leave this one in here. From Peter, when he's writing to a group of people, dear friends, do not be despised, surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange was happening to you. I mean, you should go, whoa, we're having trouble. No, okay, it, it, it comes along. It comes along. So don't be surprised when trouble comes troubling you. The reason is we started out by saying what? We are a bunch of broken people. We live in a broken community. We live in a broken world. I mean, this whole place is broken, and it seems like every day it tries to break it even a little bit further in some strange ways that we've never even considered maybe 30, 40, 50 years ago. I mean, when I grew up, there were boys and girls. I mean, today, God only knows what they are. And we keep separating society down and changing things. And uh, we, there are some whys that we'll never have the answer to, uh, this side of heaven. And I don't have the, all the answers, but there's a couple things I know. Uh, this may sound a little odd, but you know, a certain amount of suffering comes with your birth certificate. <laughs> I was born in sin. No, I was conceived in sin. I was born in sin. Therefore, I am just plain simple sin. So there's part of your problem. You have a birth certificate. The second part of your problem comes with your baptismal certificate or the day you say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. You're going to experience a whole new, new line of discouragements and pain. So people sometimes kid themselves that life should be easy 
Um, well, if that's if life's supposed to be easy, they sometimes give up. And to persevere, we need to prepare ourselves for the battles we're going to face. Now, here's the great thing he teaches us second of all, and that is to latch on to your Timothy. This is kind of an odd thing to think about. You know, what do you mean, latch on to your Timothy? Well, way back in, in verses 1 and 2 of this chapter, uh, Paul says, so when we could stand it no longer. In other words, when we heard about the persecution that was going on in your church, we did what? We sent Timothy who is our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. Now, I have no doubt that the people in Thessalonia uh, were probably thinking, we're going through some really big problems right now. Why isn't Paul here with us? We need Paul. We we start to chant. You know, it'd be like if if things go south to praise the worship. We need Mark. We need we we need Mark. Is something happening here? Maybe you'd even say, "Gosh, we need Barry." What we first? Well, no, we got Jeff too. Uh, well, you got other people out of praise and worship. Um, but Paul couldn't come. Anybody remember why Paul couldn't come? Why Paul didn't come? It's a whole subject for another day. Satan prevented him. That's a whole other subject. We have to have a sermon about that someday. Satan prevented him from coming. He couldn't be there. And so what did he do? He sends young Timothy in his place, or more accurately, God sent Timothy, and Timothy ministered encouragement uh, to the people in Thessalonica. Now, understand something about Timothy. Timothy was not an apostle. He was not called by God to be an apostle. He was, he was a young man, uh, maybe what we would say a little wet behind the ears yet. Uh, and he might have been considered by some to be the second string or maybe even a little bit further down the string. But he was God's choice for the people of Thessalonica. And he was the one that God was going to use. Now, what I want to under what you under, understand in all of this is, is simply this. If Paul isn't there for you, whoever that may be, I don't know who your Paul is. I mean, in churches, sometimes your Paul happens to be your pastor. You know, if Barry's not here, if Mark's not here, you name the church. If your pastor is not there, guess what? God might send a Timothy. Now, I've known some people who would become so focused on looking for help from their Paul that they'd be unwilling to accept a Timothy. We don't want that guy. We want this other person. So I'm going to ask you, are there Timothys that God has sent you that you may have overlooked in your life. If you plan to persevere, I want to suggest you, you're going to need to have some help along life's journey. You need to open your doors to Timothy. Now, I'm going to kind of move this sermon aside because I'm going to change direction just for a bit. It has been said by me and by many other people that every Christ follower needs a Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy. Or if you would prefer a, uh, a Pauline, a Barbara, and a Terry, if you want the female side. So because these people work all together. Now, that simple little saying that you need a Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy uh, carries a, a pretty simple meaning. But when applied, I have found it as I've taught different people. That this is pretty, pretty informative, transformative. See, one way, a better way of explaining this is everybody needs a mentor. Somebody who's gone along that journey ahead of you that can tell you what's coming. 
Everybody needs an associate, a buddy that you kind of travel along with who is, we might call that person a peer. But you also need an apprentice, somebody that you can pour your life or your ministry into. Now, some of you know that uh, several weeks back I was out in New Jersey doing a, a funeral for the wife of a young man that I've known since grade school time. He had actually been my associate for many years. And, uh, you know, when you start by confirming that person and having them in seventh and eighth grade and all of those kinds of things, that person kind of is your apprentice. And then ultimately he became my associate. And today he is the leader of that congregation. And he and I are kind of peers. But as we engaged in a little conversation this last week, uh, he still feels like he needs to talk to his mentor. We all need that variety of people. We all need somebody in our lives uh, that uh, build our lives, to mentor our lives, work alongside us, labor uh, alongside us, somebody that we can pass on wisdom to and acknowledge uh, wisdom that God gave. Um, and all of these are probably, we probably need more than one of each of these kind of people. I mean, that's why one of my favorite Bible passages comes from Second uh, Timothy. It says, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust it to faithful men who will be able to teach other people. Whatever you know, any one of you, any, what any of you know about Jesus, he's entrusted that to you to tell someone else somewhere, sometime, someplace. Now, Paul invested a significant amount of time and energy into young Timothy. We've all got those kind of people out there that just, they kind of want to know. They've always got questions. And now Timothy was instructed to go and tell someone else. Now, the Bible's full of good partnerships. You can find them. And Moses and Aaron, for example. You've got a couple people like that. In the book of Acts, we see that Paul hooked up with a whole bunch of other people, too. Barnabas and Silas and others. Uh, so the question I've been asked this morning, do you have a Paul or a Pauline? Uh, do you have a Barnabas or a Barbara or do you have a Timothy or a Terry in your life or whatever names you want to plug in? If you don't, it's not any reason to get discouraged, uh, but just start praying about it. And maybe just ask God to send the right person into your life at this point in time. But let me be clear. Don't stop with praying. Be intentional about it. If God lays a person on your heart that could be helpful to you in your spiritual journey, ask them. Ask them if they would be your mentor or ask them if you could help them. You might just find that they're going to go, oh, my gosh, I was looking for someone just like you. And I have a feeling there are a whole bunch of people out there that are looking for people just like you who've been somewhere on the path who've experienced some form of trouble and they need to hear what it is that you know about it because of what Jesus has done in your life. I'm going to slide that part up and get back to First Thessalonians, okay? Here's the third point here. Third point is to remember that your perseverance encourages other people. Going back to chapter 1, verse 8, your faith has become known everywhere. Uh, I hope I, I hear a lot more. Every once in a while, people, people ask me, so how's it going at Restore? And sometimes I just say, it's going. It's going. We have a few people say, I hear it's, it's doing well. And I always say, thank you. We, and we hope it does weller, if there's such a word. Uh, 
But Paul says your faith has become known everywhere. You know, that's part of the reason we we kind of trying very hard to get into the community in some way, whether it be at White River, uh, whether it be over at Hollister High School or, or wherever it may be. But now in chapter three, verse seven, Paul says, therefore, brothers, in all your our distress and persecution, we was in, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. Has someone lately been encouraged by your faith? Have you been in, able to encourage someone to put courage into somebody because of the path or the journey you've already been on? Now, if you're anything like me, now I'm granted I'm older than probably all of you. Uh, I have friends that have been through divorce. I have friends that have become bankrupt. Uh, I have friends who lost all of their hair in uh, chemotherapy. I have friends who faced all kinds of problems, and yet they hold fast to their faith in Jesus, and they continue to serve him every day of their lives. I can't even begin to tell you the number of shut-in calls I made over the years where I walked away being encouraged by somebody who was really suffering when I had been there hoping that I would be able to encourage them. And at the end, I just said, thank you so much for letting me come today and listen to you. <laughs> it happens. See, their faithfulness, their perseverance uh, encourages us, inspires us. So when I, I feel the, feel a call, sometimes not a call, tempted to quit, I remember that my perseverance, my hanging in there might just be a good thing for other people to see and understand. So I, I, I really pray today that anybody who's listening, you know, whether it's this group of people or people who listen to it later on our website or on my sermon site, uh, would, would be able to say, you know, if that person hung in there, you know what? I can do it too. See, we need to remember that people watch us, whether we realize it or not. You know, Chess, you got a little guy sitting next to you. You already know he watches you. He watches Janina. Kids watch their parents. Parents watch the grandparents sometimes, make sure that they're keeping on the right track. Uh, we have a little email group that goes around. I know Ed's on that group, and I know Jeff is, and Anthony, and I don't know who else. There's about six or seven of us, and, and it's sometimes anywhere between the ridiculous and the sublime. Uh, sometimes it's uh, Star Wars. Sometimes it's how we can encourage one another or what's going on in your life or whatever. Uh, to share your life with other people. Then Paul ends up here by encouraging us to love one another. Verse 12, may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. So he's talking about developing this strength of character. Uh, the idea is that you aren't just strong for yourself. Now, many of us, hey, I can handle this. Fine, I'm glad you can. But there are other people who need to understand how you go about doing that as well. So the idea is not that just we'd be strong for ourselves, but that we'll be strong for people who are around us as well. See, a spiritual rock uh, doesn't live for himself or herself. Uh, they're always thinking. Uh, they're always thinking of how I can use this for someone else's life. See, somewhere I heard um, that the most selfish thing you can do is quit. And that's kind of an interesting statement. And I think the person who said that has a point because quitters generally are not thinking about anybody else but themselves. See, those who stay in the battle, I don't know what your battle is today. Those of you who are willing to say, you know, I'm going to take the bumps. I'm going to take the uh, bruises. I'm going to 
collect the scars along the way if it will somehow keep hope alive for other people. I mean, those are the ones I think truly know what it means to love. This is why Paul said, may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other. See, he says it because he knows that the more we love other people, not just the people we know, but just other people, the more faithful you will be to Jesus. It's kind of interesting, kind of an aside, but uh, most of you know that I, I frequent Hollister Coffee Company. Uh, Isaac, the owner, says I'm kind of a silent partner, <laughs> investor or whatever. But getting to know these people, uh, Wednesday I'm going to be doing a wedding of one of the baristas that I've gotten to know while I've been there. I had an opportunity to meet with her and her uh, fiancé. Those of you that go there might know Ember. And Ember is marrying Trenton this coming Wednesday. And we've had an opportunity not only to talk about the wedding, but talk about the faith. Because uh, I was kind of bold enough to say, you know, if I'm going to do this wedding, I'm not going to do, do you want to get married? Say yes or no. Okay, you're married. Give me the thing. Let me sign it. Get out of here. Because I expect to bring, well, about, tw- about three verses from Colossians into this whole thing about what you should put on. Clothe yourself with humility and compassion, et cetera, et cetera, to bring that into that place. But see, how that comes is by building a relationship somewhere along the line where people see you, and I'm not putting myself up there, but people see you and how you live and how you explain things and how you deal with things, and they always seem to want to know a little bit more. That's why, again, Paul says, may the Lord make your love increase and overflow, overflow for each other. See, the truth about trouble is it's going to invade every life. Uh, every home, every family, every business, every believer, every church. But the truth about trouble is it's also temporary. It doesn't last forever. Because it's no match for the believer who stands in the strength of the Lord. So my admonition to you today in, in this message is simply hang in there. I don't know what you're going through or what you may be going through. Hang in there. Stand firm. Stay in the fight. Go the distance. Stand up. Stand up for Jesus. We probably could have sung that today. See, this problem won't be around forever, but because of Jesus, I will. See, Jesus promised that he would never leave us, he would never forsake us, and that promise is for every last believer that's gathered here this morning. See, strength for the journey is not found in here. It's not in ourselves. It's found only in Jesus. And so, friends, uh, today's uh, all of us commit, uh, whether for the first time or part of our daily commitment, uh, to draw near to him. Uh, who is able to us to, enables us to handle all things. Now, why is that? Uh, it's just pretty simple. When trouble comes our way, we only need to turn to the solver of all problems. That's it. That's all I got. Trouble on the journey? You got the trouble cure called Jesus.